The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Yeah, you know, Neil, thinking about it, I think Iron Giant is my favorite DC character. I don't know who else there you would pick from. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mike, this week we got the results of our Nickelodeon poll. That was a lot of fun. Our Nickelodeon episode, of course, went live last week. And then this week on Instagram, we had a whole bunch of uh, polls, one every day, to uh, sort of have a little head-to-head on uh, what the best Nickelodeon show is and maybe what like a cool Saturday morning lineup would be. Mm-hmm. So all in all, uh, very close, actually, for a lot of the polls here. But uh, our, first ep- our first show would be Rocco's Modern Life, which beat out uh, Ren and Stimpy, 51 51- Sorry, 59 to 51%. That was very close. Yep. Uh, that math doesn't make sense. 51 to 49%. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Avatar beat out Drake and Josh, uh, 54% to 46%. And then Rugrats uh, beat Hey Arnold, 56% versus, I think, 44% roughly. Mm-hmm. And then finally, SpongeBob, which was actually uh, not as close as I thought it would be. Uh, and that was facing Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, fairly I mean, I knew SpongeBob was going to win. Yeah, seventy percent SpongeBob, thirty percent Fairly Odd Parents. It's SpongeBob. Yeah, I, I thought Fairly Odd Parents was going to have a little bit more of a support. We should have done SpongeBob and Avatar. Looking back, but mm-hmm. yeah. Oh well. But anyway, so that would be our ideal Saturday morning. Apparently, is Rocco's Modern Life, Avatar, Rugrats, SpongeBob. I missed what? one in there. Which one am I missing? Oh, uh, Jimmy Neutron. Also, Jimmy, Jimmy Neutron. Neutron. Right. Forgot about that one. Jimmy Neutron beat out uh, uh, Rocket Power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good lineup. Solid lineup. I think so. I can go grab some cereal and go to the bathroom during Avatar, and then the rest I would sit around and watch. And then the third, the, and the, the sixth um, cartoon will be the Iron Giant, uh, the, the show. Yes. Did that? Did that? Ever, that never got a show, did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> the, hey, it still happens where every single movie that comes out got a video game. It also got a cartoon. Yeah, that's something that happens now, especially. Mm-hmm. I think. I think actually more now than than ever before, which is especially strange. With, especially well with streaming services, they have to right like these yeah. like Dis- Disney they especially. Need content. Apparently, Disney is like every single movie that comes out has a five season show now. Marvel and Star Wars, every Star Wars character is getting a show, and then same thing with their their animated movies too. Got to milk that cow, man. Yep. Remember when they tried to milk Emperor's New Groove with like <laughs> the Emperor's New School and Kronk's New Groove, uh, featuring uh, our 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 buddy Putty. Yeah, buddy, putty, <laughs> and Joe from Family Guy. Yeah, yeah. I could, what's his What's his name? Uh, I want to uh, say David something. Oh, Patrick Wal- Patrick Warburton. You. Yes, yes, Patrick Warburton, who yeah. we talked about was in Metal Arms, right? Yeah, and has been in other things as well. Obviously, a prolific voice actor, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's what I, I I associate him with in my mind always is is Kronk. And and the and the best spokesperson for Arby's of all time, just by being in Seinfeld, feels like an Arby's night. It's always an Arby's night, Neil. It's always an Arby's night. Mike, I had a few ideas this week. Now I've been thinking a lot about. Unfortunately, there's a ton of bars and restaurants that are closing in uh, every city, basically, but especially in Toronto, a lot of restaurants being affected by the current lockdown mm-hmm. pandemic. Uh, and I was just thinking, like, if I was to, because obviously these restaurants and bars, we're gonna get new ones when things eventually go back to normal. Just new businesses will crop up. That's just how the how the cycle goes. And I was thinking of just interesting bar ideas that if I were to open a bar, what would I do? GameCube bar, obviously, number one. 
Yeah, I mean there are there are already arcade bar arcade bars. No, but no, yes. no. But there are no GameCube bars, Neil. No, no. There, I there want weren't. every station has one of those. You know, like the GameCube. Um, Basically, uh, a McDonald's station. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> with beer, it's a great idea. Basically, a barcade, but just for GameCube games. That would do very well. But I had another idea where okay, so that they have comedy bars, they have uh, music, obviously played at bars. But I really want to open a bar where uh, magicians get a chance to practice. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that kind of exists, but not, like, exclusively. Yeah, I've okay. never seen one. Where does that exist? Uh, Vegas, you know, I'm thinking, like, Vegas bars. I'm uh, Definitely upscale swanky bars, you know, you have... But it's not like it's a magician's bar. I know no, and at, at a swanky bar, you're going to get a magician that knows what they're doing. I want to go to a bar where, like, people are just <laughs> learning how to do magic tricks. Oh, oh okay, you're looking for stand-up magicians. Yes, yes, like a stand-up night, yes. But it's like, okay, I'm going to pay open a 10... Open mic. <laughs> exactly. Open, like, I'm gonna... open top hat night. Right, like just like an open mic night or like a battle of the bands night, where you just go on stage. You have a ten, you have a ten minute set to to wow us with your craft. And I've never seen that before. Like these guys have to practice somewhere. That's you know that's a really good point. Actually, I never yeah. thought about that. And it would be so much fun. Like you would play. Okay, I'm gonna pay ten bucks, and maybe this is gonna be a bad night. Like you go to like a bar in Toronto. We have yuck yucks. It's like sometimes the comedians are good. Sometimes you get a few that are kind of meh. So I want to see what some of these magicians can do. Yeah, and I like, you know, for anyone who hasn't been to a comedy club before, uh, you usually have, I don't know, like 10 comics who come up and you have a host who is kind of uh, intermittently through each one of them. Sometimes he pulls them off early, sometimes he lets them right. uh, go, you know, a bit longer. I would love to see a magician host as well, yes. because yeah. the host is always funny, if not funnier than the than the comedians. Right. So you think that host would be maybe be like a, an expert magician who would just yeah. do some, some little tricks, you know, while to, to warm warm things up for the next person. I just want the world to be a little bit more like the prestige. That's what I really want. I, I just want to I think you're looking for the prestige bar where they just play the prestige <laughs> on all the TVs. Ooh, the that'd be really time. good every night, no matter what sporting event is on. My second idea for a bar, uh, this is plan B. Uh, now, Mike, are you, you're, you're fairly familiar with like motivational speakers, right? Like Tony Robbins and and whatnot. I can't think of any others. G- Gary, Gary Vander, whatever his name Gary is. Gary Vanderchuk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I want a bar for those guys to practice too. Like someone just trying to become a motivational speaker, that would be so cringy. I would love it. <laughs> the cringe level might be too far for me. I think uh, I, I I hate motivational speakers as it is. Right. Um, I don't know if you saw Neil. There's a good SNL bit uh, of for Peloton. This is where I got uh, the idea. <laughs> I love I love the Peloton the the demotivating mm-hmm. uh, because that's how. If I was working out, I would love someone to yell at me like that yes. or just, or just, you know, walk away. I love when they're just walking away and like not yeah. talking to you and say hi. Or my favorite one is showing the grandma on screen who's doing better than you. you. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I'm all about doing things for spite. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what I would want is like, you'd have like this bar, right. With a bunch of 20, 30 somethings in there. And then you get like this opposite direction. Now a 15 year old comes on stage. Who's already a millionaire real estate agent. Like they already have six cars, five houses and a wife. And you're like mm-hmm. this 25 year old guy working whatever job. Like that's motive. That That's going to be like the worst feeling in the world. But I think it would just be fun to watch people learning how to be, cause where do these guys come from? Like, how do they, like, there's no up and coming bar for these guys to practice at. I just want to have more bars for people to practice things. Okay. Clearly we need more themed bars is what yes. it's sounding like in this, in the new era of, of restaurants and, and bars. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I, I really hope that you uh, you take the torch there, Neil. Thank you. I mean, if you have enough time to sit around, you're going to come up with some interesting ideas, like maybe start a GameCube <laughs> podcast. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> one more idea I had this week, Mike, and then we can get into the show. You're going to like this one. Uh, so there's this dog in my neighborhood, right? And uh, mm-hmm. she's turning 16 this year. Wow, which is, good for her. It's wild, man. Sometimes you hear about that, like just a dog that's like, this is my dog. He's 18. It's like, what? This dog, <laughs> your dog might be a cat. But I, I think what I want for dogs is sort of like in Canada, at least, I think this happens. When you turn 100, you get a letter from the queen. Yes, know? that's you right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in, in Canada, or at least Ontario, if, if your dog turns 16, they should just get a G1. <laughs> and could okay could they get a g1 and a letter from the queen sure yeah of course i think that'll be too many letters from the queen but i think that's just the just queen getting... does love corgis so okay, at true. least corgis who turn like 15 or 16 should get a letter from the queen corgis turning 16 i don't know if that happens man they have so many health problems <laughs> <laughs> i just think it would be funny to like your dog to get a g1 because in ontario at least i'm not sure about the rest of the country but it's you turn 16 and you can take your g1 Obviously, dogs can't pass writing tests, so I think they should just get them automatically. But I think that'll just cause too much problems. Where if someone's in an accident, they put their dog behind the wheel. It's like he's got his G one. But I, I, you know what? I, I know a lot of people, Neil, and I would say that there are some dogs that that would drive better than than some people I know. So probably, I just think it's funny to give a dog a G one. I don't know. You know what? He, they've earned it. You know yeah. that dog has earned it. That dog has lived their life. They've been waiting for this day. Yes. To finally get in the driver's seat instead of putting their head out the window. Think about how many walks a dog has been on by the time they hit 16 years. Like, mm. assuming you walk your dog, let's say 300 days out of the year, probably, maybe more, but that, okay, 365, 360, two walks a day, that's 720 walks a year times 16. That, that's thousands of walks. They can drive now. Exactly. They, they've been through it. They, they've had more walking experience than most pedestrians at that age. <laughs> yes. It's sad <laughs> to think, but yes, they probably have been on more walks. So those are my ideas for the week, Mike. I have two new bar ideas that I'm one day going to try and open and fail probably. And then uh, if I was to be mayor or prime minister of Canada, uh, I would have every 16-year-old dog receive a G1 license. I, I'm mayor of Canada. The mayor of Canada. <laughs> the assistant regional manager. The mayor of, uh, of Townsville. Yes, of course. <laughs> All right, Mike, I think it's time for our new favorite segment. Let's take it on to the mailbag. Mailbag. All right, I have another positive review here, and this one actually came to us through email. Sweet. Uh, someone wow. got my they Wait, got what? my email. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please send us feedback or questions on the podcast service of your choice or on social media. We will read them on the show at some point, just like Mike, who wrote into us today to your personal email. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alec, and okay. uh, Alec wrote, Hey, Mike and Neil, just wanted to say I love the pod. Brings back so much nostalgia from when I was a kid. This pod has gotten me back into collecting my favorite games for the cube, and I gotta say, I think you guys are my good luck charm. Every time I have listened to an episode and I remember a game that I want to play again, uh, but I don't have it in my collection, I go to a nearby retro games shop and I find it. Hmm. Gonna listen to the SSX episode, so I hope the luck keeps going. Uh, brackets, SSX was one of my favorite series of all time. Keep oh. up the great podcasting, Alec. Thanks, Alec. And uh, please write back. Let us know how you got Mike's personal email because that's interesting. <laughs> and uh, well, I think my personal email is attached to like the account. So whenever oh, you, like, okay. I think I think it, if you like contact or maybe it's through maybe it's through the website. I think if you, you contact on the website, it goes to my email. I don't know. Like, I, I always I get emails to my work email all the time from people who clearly don't know me, but it's not that hard to find someone's email. Like it's usually just their first dot last name at wherever. So yeah. I mean, it's... if you want to write me emails, it's hello at mikelane.com. So mm-hmm. go for it. Yep. 
thank you so much, Alec, for the positive feedback. We're ha- glad to hear that you uh, enjoyed our SSX episode. I actually checked out the new SSX from 2012, the one that we talked about with Ali. Mm-hmm. Very good game. Very good game. Uh, not on the GameCube. It's on uh, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and I'm assuming PC. A lot of fun. Very arcadey. I did not expect it to be as good as it was. The UI in the game is terrible because it was EA in the height yeah. of EA-ness, just trying to be very... I don't know, futuristic and cool, and it was just, like, too much. It's like, I need way ba- way more basic menu systems, please. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'd like to check it out one day for um, as well, but yeah. Yeah, I'll probably pick it up someday, but Mike, let's talk about some GameCube, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 38 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. If you haven't already, take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Visit thegamecubewascool.com and check out all the things that we've been working on. Episodes available to download, some articles that we wrote, and explore our lovely store. The web Website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. <laughs> Last week we we covered Nickelodeon games. Go back and check it out if you haven't already. This week we're covering Wario games on the Cube. That includes Wario World and WarioWare. We're also going to dedicate a segment of this episode to collecting video games in general. We have a special guest joining us today. Retro Wolf 88 will be coming on the show to talk about reaching his completed North American GameCube game collection. That's all. Fu- he has all 555. That's insane, dude. I can't wait to have him on <laughs> to talk about the, that collecting. Uh, it must have been one heck of a journey. Uh, really. And look- he's also a Wario fan, too. So yep. uh, he actually did an episode recently on his own channel mm-hmm. about Wario World. Uh, yep. And so he's going to have much more knowledge about this game than we do. <laughs> For sure. I've played Wario World as well. I'm a big fan of the Wario franchise. We're going to talk about Wario in general, I'm sure, since this is his time to shine. And we'll probably be talking about collecting video games in general, not just the GameCube. And Wario collecting video games as well, which is the yeah. third part of that. Yes. Uh, Wario is of course <laughs> does, have, of course, have the most video games of any character, video game character of all time. <laughs> so, Mike, let's talk a little bit about Wario, shall we, before we have Retro Wolf on to join us? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about the man. Man, the legend, uh, not a myth, not a myth. myth. Uh, And I know just before we start, I got to give him a shout out for his amazing fashion ensemble that he has put together for the new Mario Golf game. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to know what he did to find that wardrobe because, <laughs> of course, there's the Wario game Masters of Disguise, which was on DS from about probably 15 years ago now. But other than that, we've really only seen Wario in his classic yellow purple uh, out- outfit. He just wears the same clothing, never showers. Or his biker. And his biking. I was trying to. Th- I was thinking about that just now when we were talking about Wario. When did that come about? The bike. I, th- I that that's from WarioWare. That's from that's from like uh, that that whole. Um, design, I guess, is from the WarioWare mm. games. Okay, I don't have any experience with WarioWare, personally. Do you? I, I do a little bit, and I did a lot of research about it, and it, it is really, really interesting, but yeah, yes, Neil, let's let's dive into Wario, the man, the legend. Okay, of course. So, Wario was born in 1992, so he is now 29 years old. His, well, that was his first appearance in a video game. By then, he was, of course, 98 years old, so he's now <laughs> 100 and whatever math that does. He first appeared in uh, Mario Land 2, the six gold coins. And then after that, he had his own standalone video game, which was the worst titled video game in Nintendo history, Wario Land, colon, Super Mario Land 3. Classic uh, Nintendo attempting to name things, you know. Yeah. So in Mario Land 2, which, sidebar, Mario Land, Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy is one of the best 2D Mario games of all time. And I stand by it 
every time I talk about Mario games. It's a very strange Mario game. It has power-ups that never appeared in another Mario game again, like the bunny ears where Mario can jump and kind of float down. Yep. And, and he goes to these weird worlds where he's in an anthill and there's space levels and it's just a really cool game. And he fights bosses that are like the three little pigs and and uh, that's one boss that I remember specifically. And Wario mm-hmm. is the main bad guy in the in the game. You collect the six coins from each of the worlds, and then you open up the key to the castle, and you fight Wario at the very end. And then he appears in the next game as the main antag or protagonist when uh, you play as him. And I played mm-hmm. that game too as a kid. And very good platformer, Wario Land. That series is very well known for its platforming elements. Yeah, the Warrior Land series, I've never played them, but obviously I know a lot about them and was doing a bit more research, uh, you know, this week. Right. And they're very tight platformers. Mm-hmm. It feels like they the devs took all everything they learned about the Mario series and really just amped it up in Wario and refined all the elements of it. It's another one of those games that I look at and I immediately can see myself playing it, which is, mm-hmm. I think, high praise. Yep. It's, it's a very... First of all, on Game Boy, it's it's very nice to look at graphically. Yeah. It's, it's sharp. It's a very sharp game. The The sound design is very good. Uh, you know when Wario is charging, when he's jumping, he feels a lot heavier than Mario. He can't jump quite as high, but he's a lot stronger than Mario. He can pick up and throw things. He's very well known with destruction and bombs mm-hmm. and everything. He's actually had crossover games with uh, franchises such as uh, Bomberman. He was in Bomberman. Oh, he I lost... didn't know that. Yeah, he had a Bomberman game uh, oh. back in the day. I forget what console that would have been on now i'm trying to i might have been game boy advance but uh, there's four wario land games uh, there's eight wario wear games there's wario land which we're going to be talking about today wario shake it which is a 2d platformer on the wii which is a very good game highly recommend wii fans check that game out mm-hmm. and then there's random puzzle game like wario woods uh, which came out in the 90s and then uh, there's wario master of disguise on the ds so he has a very wide range of games that he appears in and then he has, of course, he, he comes up in Mario Kart, Mario Golf, Mario Party, Tennis, and, of course, Super Smash Bros. So he gets around, this guy. This guy gets around, yeah. And, Neil, I do have a question for you. Okay. What's your favorite Wario catchphrase? It's not a catchphrase, per se, but it, I love in WarioWare how often he says, buy my game. Like, just, bah, buy my game. Like, spend money, <laughs> buy my... I just love how, like... I, I love it when marketing or just... There, there's, like, they're just not subtle about... Yes, not subtle about buying a product. I love that. It's like, because that's what every business is trying to do. They're trying to get you to spend money. And this is really the one Nintendo game where they're just like, thanks for buying my game. Like, it's like spending money. Wario's all about making money, finding treasure. So I just, I love that part of his personality. Yeah. Uh, Very endearing. How about you, Mike? What's your favorite Wario catchphrase or Wario-ism, if you will? My favorite Wario-ism is from Double Dash, actually. And it's uh, after uh, you play as Wario and you lose, you don't come in the top six, I believe. Uh, Wario goes, I lost to a bunch of losers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that. Charles Martinet doing a very good job of Wario and Mario. He's a legend. I don't know what they're going to do when Martinet packs it in. They're just going to have to retire all those characters. Retire all those IPs, Neil. That's what Nintendo will do. <laughs> I'm going to predict that that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, back back to the the history and all the games of Wario. So you played Wario Land, Neil, obviously, but you haven't played Wario Wear, right? And I haven't played too much of Wario Wear either. And uh, actually, friend of the show Zaffer is who initially introduced me to Wario Wear. He told me about it and said how good that those games were. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was like, oh, whatever, I don't know, Wario games? Like, what's a Wario game? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> he has his own game, why? <laughs> and, and so I kind of was just like, not dismissive, but I was like, okay. And then I checked them out, 
and they're so unique and different. Mm-hmm. I I honestly got to say I've never seen a game like WarioWare, and I mean I guess just for the listeners out there, what WarioWare games are is that they're usually collections of micro games, mm-hmm. uh, and what micro games are is a term kind of coined within the Wario universe. And uh, what it is is basically these, you know, three to five second games that you play. And what happens is a verb will come on uh, on screen. Mm-hmm. You'll, so you'll have punch or tilt, uh, press, you know, you'll mm-hmm. you'll be doing something on that screen. And you basically have to do it within that time slot. And then you move on to the next one and the next one after that. Yep. Uh, and eventually you get to a boss battle, which is more of a, a longer version of that micro game. Very clever mini games. We'll talk a little bit more about it when we talk about WarioWare later. Yes, but yes, it, it did exist. It was a franchise that came out years before smartphone. This is a an ideal app game. Like it's yeah. really what I think of it as. Like this would be so much fun on a phone when you're on the train. But we didn't have those back then. We had our Game Boy Advance. I think of it almost like the the really well known toy from the late '90s, early 2000s, Bop It, where mm. you're you have to bop it, twist it, or pull it based on what the uh, what the prompt tells you to do. And if you don't... That's do, exactly what it is. That's really what it is, but it's on Game Boy, and it's there's hundreds of them now. And uh, this was really the last time we saw Wario. Uh, in 2018, we had WarioWare Gold on the Nintendo 3DS, which was a collection of micro-mini games uh, from all the WarioWare games of uh, all the years gone by. And unfortunately, it was not on Switch, another one of those collections like Mario Party that didn't come to Switch, not yet anyways. I would love to see something like Wario Shake It, uh, which is the 2D, sort of like a Wario Land game. Uh, the art style of that game is beautiful. It looks like a coloring book. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is, I think, cell-shaded, like animation. It's 2D platformer through and through. It's got those crappy Wii controls, which is too bad. But highly recommend folks check that game out. But, Mike, I think it's about time that we got into Wario World on the GameCube. What do you think? I think it's time, and I think it's time to have our guest come on, Neil. Okay, sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing to the show Retro Wolf 88 Now, Retro Wolf 88 is a collector. He's a YouTuber. He uh, was going for the complete in-box GameCube collection, which he ended up doing. He currently has a collection of 555 North American GameCube games. He's got an incredible YouTube channel. Check it out. He's got game room tours, game reviews, interviews, modern game reviews as well. So much more. Check him out. Uh, so yeah, Retro Wolf, welcome to the show. We have to ask you, what is your favorite thing about Wario? What's your favorite Wario-ism? You know, I have to say my favorite thing about Wario is how much he just doesn't mm. care. You know <laughs> what I mean? He just he lives his life the way he wants to live it. He's very greedy, mm-hmm. yep. which, you know, is not necessarily a good, you know, a good thing, but the way he's greedy just leads to some very hilarious moments, hence the games that we get. I mean, usually everything that happens in the Wario games is a direct result of his greed. So Exactly, and I was saying to Mike actually up front at the beginning of the show, the one, one of my favorite things about Wario is how much he breaks the fourth wall with just saying, buy my game, spend money, you know, like, uh, thanks for buying my game and all that. It's really, really clever, just so endearing that you don't see in really any other video game character that I can think of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So just up front, we're going to talk a little bit about Wario World uh, on the Nintendo GameCube. Now, you put out a very good YouTube video outlining probably everything we're going to be talking about today about the game already. So let's see if we can maybe dig a little deeper and find new information. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Wario World was released on uh, June 23rd, 2003, developed by Treasure, uh, published by Nintendo. This is a GameCube exclusive, so it's not on any other console. If you wanted to pick it up today uh, on Canadian eBay, you're looking at about $90 to $100, which is 
is wildly expensive. I picked up this game two years ago for about 40 bucks, so it's more than doubled in price. And it rates in like the sevens area, the high sixes to high sevens, uh, which I think is somewhat underrated. This game is a bit of a hidden gem on the GameCube. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, Wario World, I mean, it looks great, it runs great, and, and it's really no surprise, I mean, you know, not only with it being a Nintendo game, and, you know, Nintendo has a very high standard of quality, but the fact that it was developed by Treasure, and they're, they're a very talented, right. you know, game developer, they developed Gunstar Heroes, and, you know, that's another very fast and flashy game, so they definitely know what they're doing. Um, and, yeah, you know, Wario World does have some slight camera issues, but it's not too bad. It's very easy to overlook considering the perspective of the game. I mean, you don't really need to control the camera all that much, um, so it's not yeah. that big of a deal. I, I kind of liken it to less so like a Mario 3D platformer, like Sunshine at the time. More so, it's a bit closer to like a Luigi's Mansion or even like a Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which was on Wii U and Switch. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit more like that, where the levels are a lot more tight. They're just more of a, a linear experience uh, with platforming and, and action. And then every so often you get to this part of the level where it's a bit more puzzle solving and jumping up blocks, which is a little bit finicky. But for the most part, it is more of like this... Uh, like diorama experience where you're in this very small area, not really meant to explore anything like a Banjo-Kazooie. So mm. the camera doesn't really get in the way as much as you might think it should. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I, I really liked that approach to the game design in Wario World because sometimes I like to play a nice linear experience where I don't have to do a whole bunch of exploring um, right. because, you know, I mean, exploring is fun in games, but at the same time, sometimes it can be a little tedious and in Wario World, I mean, you can really 100% each level relatively quickly just by playing through it a few times to find all the collectibles. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's more rewarding that way, and it doesn't feel as tedious. So I kind of like the streamlined nature of, of how they designed it. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. It's uh, I do have a question, too, just in terms of Wario games in general. Matt, how, how did you get kind of involved with Wario games? You know, why, what was the, your first experience with them? I'm glad you asked that. So my first experience with Wario was not necessarily with a Wario game. It was with uh, Super Mario Land 2, yes. uh, six golden coins on the Game Boy, because at the very end of the game, you fight <laughs> Wario. I mean, Wario mm -hmm. is basically the villain in that game. And I, and I may be wrong on this, but I think that's also the game that introduced Wario as a character. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yep. definitely. That's he's the he's the boss. He's the bad guy in that mm -hmm. game. And then in the next Super Mario Land 3, which is Wario Land 1 technically, he's yeah. the good guy. You yep. play as him in the next game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's that that got me into the to the uh series and I kind of fell in love with with Wario ever since as a character because he's just he's just such a fun and interesting <laughs> character, you know. He's kind of a he's kind of a just a nasty, greedy little man and it's hilarious. And he fits in just so many different situations. Like Nintendo has been yep. so good over the years. If they could, because they could just have easily had left this character fall by the wayside with you know all the other franchises that they've done to over the years. But they've always given Wario a chance to come out to Mario Party and Mario Tennis, and they keep giving him these just more and more personality quirks. Like recently, we saw in the Nintendo Direct, he's got this really funny-looking golf outfit now. Like he almost <laughs> looks like he's just retired and he's just getting into it he just spent all of his money on this crazy new wardrobe finally not wearing the purple and yellow overalls really clever character um but yeah uh I, our, our first interaction with him with, was mostly for me in the game boy 
same Game Boy game as you. I got that for Christmas a long time after it came out, actually, because that game came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike and I are both born in 93, so I think mm-hmm. I got that game in, like, 1998. But I, I played it up until a couple summers ago. I was at work playing it in the lunchroom on my Game Boy Advance because <laughs> I just think it's such a well-polished 2D Mario game. And oh, yeah. Wario, Wario as a boss is an interesting idea because in most Mario games, you always fight Bowser. So they introduced this new boss that ended up becoming one of the more popular Nintendo antagonists of all time, or protagonists. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, the the other 2D Wario games that were released on the Game Boy, in the Game Boy Color, um, they're a lot of fun as well. Very, very good games. Yeah, and Wario World, even though it was, I feel like it's becoming critically and commercially a little bit more popular as years go by. Like, for example, I just said up front, it's $100 now on eBay, which is Mm -hmm. a very high price to pay for a a game uh, on GameCube. It's getting towards that almost uh, unaffordable game now. It's almost expensive as Melee, which is crazy. Didn't sell very high. I was trying to find sales of this game. The highest amount I could find was on VGSales.com. It only sold about 143,000 copies. I don't know if that was Japan or worldwide. So uh, worldwide, in actually RetroRoll's video, uh, he says it, uh, it. I believe it's just under 500,000. Okay, so this is a pretty hard game to find then, for sure. Yeah, I, I, my theory, and you know, I could be completely wrong, but I think that Nintendo was a little bit worried about how that game would would perform with it being Wario's first 3D outing. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he really, even at that time, he wasn't that well-known of a character. He is now, of course, but, but back then, people didn't really talk about Wario that much. So I think Nintendo might have been worried, and I think they may have done a low-print run of the game, so there probably weren't very many copies out there. Um, so now it's it's become pretty hard to find. I mean, I, I never see that game out out and about in stores or anything yeah i was gonna actually ask because obviously you have all 555 north american gamecube releases so for wario world and i guess wario wear too do you have any like interesting stories about how you got those games or you just find them on ebay or something i think wario world i think i got from a local retro game store that live that that's about 15 minutes away from me i think that's where i got wario world i'm pretty sure about that and i, and I don't think that i paid anywhere near what it's going for now which is good yeah one thing that i like to do is especially games with cases is i keep the receipts just to see uh the date that i bought it where i bought it and how much i paid it's a good idea uh, yeah just to kind of just as a kind of a stamp mark in time just to know and then when i look back later and see how much the game is now like i paid 39.99 for this game like i said two years ago and uh now it's doubled that which is just crazy Mm -hmm. now do you have a favorite level in warrior world i know i definitely do i think it's the, the, the mirror level is really really cool but just wondering if you do as well that is also my favorite level that level was very unique and also it was very impressive because anytime you have mirrors in a video game um, that requires a tremendous amount of processing power Yes. Um, for mirrors with a reflection. So that was very impressive yeah. from a technical standpoint. But, uh, but then the gameplay mechanics that they added with the mirrors, was it was very unique. And I, I, it's not something I really remember ever seeing in another game that I can think of. So, yeah, that's definitely my favorite level. Just for, for people who don't know, uh, if you, do you want to take them through that level and, and why exactly that is so unique? Yeah, so basically, um, you you go through the level, and 
you can't in certain sections of the level you can't see Wario. Wario's kind of behind a wall and you can't see him in the normal view that you usually see him but you can see his reflection in the mirror and in addition to that in the mirror's reflection you'll be able to see certain things that are otherwise hidden from your view mm-hmm. like um hatches that you can you know stomp down into to, to do the little mini games um and enemies and and collectibles and things like that so it's a very unique mechanic and then they even build upon that further into the level to make it even more unique and it's just it's it's a joy to play i really enjoyed that one yeah no for sure yeah i'm just watching gameplay of it now it's such a it's such a fun game it, it almost reminds me wario kind of reminds me of a combination of all the nintendo characters like the 2d platformer characters in one obviously the mario influence is clear but then he's got the kirby ability to kind of suck things in mostly coins and items mm-hmm. that reminds me very much of kirby and then he's got the heaviness of donkey kong so just like if you and then not so much the floatiness of yoshi i don't think he really reminds me of yoshi at all <laughs> but yeah that's a that's a good choice of level i also really like the the haunted mansion level i just like haunted houses basically i think that that's just my thing so there's the haunted house <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, level as well which is very clever i love the bone hands and i love the music in that one in that level but honestly, mm-hmm. the music just in general is is so good because there's so many different tracks and it changes constantly. Um, oh, like yeah. even in the the pause menu, <laughs> there's that really annoying music <laughs> that uh, also, that plays. Was I crazy or when when Wario is going like he kind of goes down this rabbit hole almost when he goes into levels like falling down a like a hole I guess it is. That sound effect reminded me a lot of uh, Majora's Mask when Link is falling down. In, into the oh into the God. other world. I don't know. I didn't actually listen to the two side by side. Mm. I just thought of this now, watching the gameplay. Like I remember hearing <laughs> that sound and thinking, this sounds a lot like Majora's Mask sound bits. But now I now I'm not too sure. Yeah, no, I I can I can see that too. That makes sense. I didn't even think about that. It it has Majora's Mask isms in it. Even the final boss when you're fighting the purple gem, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of has like this giant eye in it and shoots beams at you and everything. It reminded me a lot of the final boss fight in Majora's Mask won't spoil it too much but just kind of the same boss patterns uh mm-hmm. in that game which this is a wario game so yeah it was a in- interest interesting boss <laughs> fights for sure very clever i liked i liked all of them actually yeah yeah some of the boss fights were were really unique i really liked the the one where the guy was like hiding in cups and they were shuffling around and you had to figure out which one he mm-hmm. was in but then the cup would lift and it would be empty and you'd have to hit it to make him fall out of it. that that was a pretty unique boss fight yeah, that was that was a unique one. There's yeah, I'd say the boss fights were like you know pretty good overall. But I, I yeah, I think the main, really the only actual criticism of this game is just the length for sure. Like you yeah. said in your video, that's that's mm-hmm. really the the biggest takeaway I think. Yeah, I wanted more. I mean, I would I would love for the game to have been double or even triple the length um, that it was, and you know it, it may be that the game had a small budget. Maybe they didn't have a lot of, of money to work with to make it longer that's that could be the the thing you know maybe nintendo maybe they weren't confident in the game's success so mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. give them a, a, as much money as uh say a mario um, of course i have no way of knowing that for sure but that kind of makes sense when you think about it well something neil and i have talked about a lot with this era of games is the idea that games when they went out you know they needed to be complete to a sense mm-hmm. uh you know there's there's no updates you know there's no patching right so when a game went out, it had to be the best product it could at that time. And that means that these games were often smaller mm-hmm. in scope 
just so that they could make sure that things worked. Because yeah. that was really the biggest thing is that they just wanted to make sure that the game worked, it played well, and then on to the next game. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that you're probably right. They probably didn't have a huge budget. They probably had a lot of ideas for Warrior World, mm-hmm. but realized that their deadline was coming up and they needed to put something out. And they thought, okay, let's just strip away any of these other levels we're working on and let's just make this game and put it out as is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just... I, I really hope that Nintendo makes another Wario platformer. I really think that we need another one. There's one I have not played yet. It's Wario, uh, Sh- Wario Land Shake It on the Wii, I would think yeah. it's called. I've not had a chance to play that game yet, but it looks like a lot of fun. Neil loves that I game. I love it. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> yeah. I was actually uh, put on that game by a friend of the sh- friend of our show, uh, Zaffer, and for years he was talking about Wario Shake It, and I, <laughs> I remember seeing it on. It was actually made fun of in Saturday Night Live years ago, and really, yeah, <laughs> which is a very strange thing. Like just this random yeah. Wii game was being made fun of on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> but it, they were mainly making fun of the Wii in general. But that was the game that they were supposed to be playing. And right. it's just a beautiful platformer. I That's actually the game that if Nintendo is going to do... I want them to do a sequel to Wario World, but mm-hmm. I want them to do a remake or a remaster of Wario Shake It on Switch. That oh, game yeah. would look so good, HD. The yeah. colors of it are... It looks hand-drawn, almost like the Shantae series. Mm-hmm. Like, it, just look up gameplay. It's beautiful. All the animations... Are, I think there's like 6,000 enemy animations, like 3,500 wow. animations for Wario. There's a great Did You Know Gaming segment on Wario, and they talk about Shake It a lot. Very fun game. Unfortunately, it has the Wii controls to it where you have to use the Wii Wiimote at times, which <laughs> kind of is a pain, especially in 2021 when we're all beyond over motion controls. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely if you can find Shake It. I have no idea how hard that game is to find or how expensive it is. I might have picked it up for 20 or 25 bucks about a year or two ago and did not regret the purchase at all. Very fun. I have one uh, one more really f- kind of fun fact about Warrior World that I'm not sure if either of you guys know. Um, but if you sit through the pause music for 50 minutes, uh, Wario will come out and apologize for it. What? Really? Yeah. Five, wow. five zero minutes? Five zero. Yeah. That's from uh, Instagram user Legend has, uh, Hasn't It. What does Wario apologize for? The music or? Yeah. So, so Neil, I'm not sure if you know that pause music mm-hmm. that is like, uh, it's, he goes, nah, 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 yep. nah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just goes over and over again, obviously super annoying. Uh, and yeah, he just is like, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That, that's a long time to wait for such a very small payoff. All right. That's pretty much everything I have to say about Wario World. Uh, Mike or, uh, Wolf, do you guys have anything you want to add? Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great game. Uh, you know, if somebody can find a way to play it, I recommend playing it. And I do. I do really think that the price is going to continue to go up. Um, oh, yeah. Just like with most GameCube games, GameCube is starting to turn into the Sega Saturn in terms of prices and rarity of games. So yep. now, unfortunately, may be the best time to pick it up for a reasonable price unless you just get lucky and find it somewhere cheap. Yep. Good. No. Yeah, totally agree with that. All right, cool. So uh, first things first, Victor, hit us with that jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case let's read them and now we're reading the back of the case ready to rumble with wario you'd better be ready punk some evil jewel transformed all of my treasure into monsters and now i gotta go to this weird world and beat it out of them there are plenty of goons waiting for a shot at old wario but don't worry about me baby i'm ready to brawl I'll be throwing punches, charging through crowds, and pile-driving ugly bugs right and left. 
What you gotta worry about is keeping me alive. Can you handle that? Or do I have to give you a knuckle sandwich too? That's that's a good back of the case. That's that's I can I can see Wario saying that. Yeah. It's a very good one. And we actually <laughs> we actually forgot to talk about this game. You can transfer a sampling of WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games into your Game Boy Advance if you have that GameCube link cable, which mm-hmm. is a good segue into our next game here. We're going to be talking about WarioWare Inc. Mega Party Games, which was released on April 5th, 2004, developed by Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo. Uh, this is a GameCube exclusive. It's actually technically a remake of the Game Boy Advance game, uh, WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games, which was developed by Nintendo R&D One. And uh, if you wanted to pick up the game now, it's similarly priced as Wario World, around ninety dollars. And this one rates around eight out of ten. Yeah. So I mean, WarioWare the series, obviously super interesting. Talked a little bit earlier in the show about it and how they kind of created this idea of micro games mm-hmm. and. Um, I, for the Game Boy Advance version, it's single player, obviously, but for the GameCube version of this game, it's they kind of just added in multiplayer aspects, uh, which yeah, obviously makes the game, I think, even better in that sense because you can you know play it with someone else. But um, uh, Matt, do you have any experience with the WarioWare franchise? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my first experience with the WarioWare franchise was the Game Boy Advance version of the game, and I remember mm-hmm. being absolutely addicted addicted to that game i was obsessed with mastering every single micro game and i don't even know how many how many hours i put into that game um and it's really a i mean it's just brilliant it's a brilliant game i mean it's a brilliant idea because it's so simple yeah but it's just so much fun and it's it's hilarious it has a lot of humor in it and I, you know, I, I didn't get the GameCube version of the game until much, much later, so I don't have a whole lot of experience with the with the multiplayer aspect of the GameCube version, right. which is something that I'm going to correct pretty soon because it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think it's mostly just doing those games, but or doing those, those micro games, but, you know, challenging yourself with someone else. Yeah. Um, which, you know, makes sense, obviously. And it does make sense to make this into a multiplayer game. But yeah, you, you, you touched on it, uh, on the addiction, uh, addictingness mm-hmm. of, uh, of these games. You're right. When you play them, you, you just want to get better and better. Uh, and it really pushes you to, to keep going and you could, yeah, you could play it for hours and not even realize it. You're like, oh my God, I've been sitting here for like two hours playing these games just because they're so short. They're so easy. They're so simple. And, uh, they, the aesthetic of it just really keeps you in, I think. You know, you, you're you're never taken out of the game. You're always wanting to do more. And just the succession of, of how they do it really, really makes it addicting. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to touch on is really, the to me, the game is the most enjoyable when it's your very first time playing it and, and ex- discovering all of the micro games. And you're just like, I want to I play all these micro games. And you get excited when you encounter a new one. Oh, because yeah. the first time you play it, you might completely screw up because you don't necessarily know what to do. You got to kind of figure it out. And so that sense of discovery is one of the really fun game, fun things about the WarioWare games is discovering all the micro games. Yeah, there's over 200 mini games in, in the game, 200 micro games, I guess, in this game. So there's definitely that sense of discovery, almost oh, yeah. like Breath of the Wild discovering 999 <laughs> Korok seeds. This one is just <laughs> discovering micro games. And this is just like a video game of video games. Like the only yes. the only point of the game is to play. You don't have to sit through cutscenes. You don't have to worry about a plot, really. It's just a party game, mini games after mini games. And then 
they introduced this multiplayer aspect into the GameCube game, like you guys said, but they didn't just stop at four players being able to play at one time. You can actually play with up to 16 people, which is crazy to think about. I don't know if there's really any other GameCube game that let you do that, have so many people join in at once. It's basically like you'd share controllers. Mm-hmm. Like someone would have to press, I guess, buttons on the controller. You'd share controllers with each other. So you can play with four people or you can play up to 16 people, which is a very diverse multiplayer experience that you hardly ever see. Starting to see it a little bit now with the Switch, with the Joy-Cons and everything, but really just ahead of its time in terms of a multiplayer party game experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And a bit of like small bit of history with WarioWare it, it actually came from the 64DD, which has given us lots of stuff like Star Fox Adventures and Cubivore and Eternal Darkness. But um, it, it came from the 64DD's uh, Mario Artist uh, talent studio. And I guess there was these little mini games that were created within there. Uh, you could create these 3D models and animate them. And that kind of was the basis of the WarioWare games uh, of these these small, very quickly in succession mini games. And they really weren't sure where to put this because this was Nintendo R&D working on this at the time. And um, uh, <laughs> a good quote I have here from uh, uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, who was working on the game, he says, We got the idea of using Wario and the other characters because we couldn't think of anyone else who would uh, be best for the role. Wario was always doing stupid things and is really idiotic. <laughs> so we thought him and the rest of the characters would be best for the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, great praise for Wario there from Sakamoto. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, it worked out pretty well. Like, WarioWare, since the first game, had eight sequels. Uh, it's been on Game Boy Advance, GameCube, DS, 3DS, Wii, Wii U. Hoping a Switch version comes out at some point. I think it would be yes. really good on Switch. Yes. Like, made for Switch, practically. I really thought that that... What was that game that came out at launch? 1-2 Switch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That should have been a WarioWare game. <laughs> yes, it yes. should have. <laughs> I agree. Thank you. Like, I remember seeing that thinking and what going to EB Games on launch day, picking up Breath of the Wild, obviously, like a normal human being would. And just seeing one, two switch thinking like, why isn't this WarioWare? Like it's got, it's just, it's quick games that take a few seconds and, and it's a party game. Like it's everything WarioWare needed to be. But anyway, they took it out of, or they, they just made it a, they tried to make Wii Sports again, basically. But WarioWare on GameCube did reasonably well, sold 1.1 million copies, which is not that bad considering Mm. there's only roughly what 22 million GameCubes. Uh, mm-hmm. the best-selling WarioWare game was uh, touched on DS which sold 2.47 million copies so the, the franchise across nine games hasn't sold like crazy like it's not nearly as successful as something like Pokemon but it still gets them a pretty decent income considering how much work probably takes to develop these games I can't imagine it takes a ton of time or money to do so like I don't see why they wouldn't want to put one out anytime soon on the switch I think it would just it would be the it would be the best selling WarioWare game of all time if they put it out on Switch. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, you look at you know uh, Super Paper Mario. I mean, not Super Paper Mario, Super Mario Party, and and how well that sold on the Switch. Uh, WarioWare would do fantastic because people really like to play games like that, especially if yeah. you can play them locally with your friends and family and just have a you know a good time and some laughs. I mean, games like that sell really well. So. I think it's going to happen. I think Nintendo will will release a WarioWare game on the Switch, whether it's this year or next year. I think it's it's bound to happen. I mean, they've released one on what every console since WarioWare was a thing, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Yep. And like I asked before for the Wario World game in terms of favorite level, um, uh, Matt, is there any? Obviously, there's tons of micro games, but are there any micro games or maybe any of the boss battles that you remember extremely fondly that you want to talk about? You know, I 
I think my favorite micro games were the micro games that involved classic Nintendo franchises like Zelda yes. and Mario and things like that, just because the nostalgia and, and this, it's this combined with the silliness of it. So, yeah, any of the micro games that involve Nintendo franchises were definitely my favorite. Playing the Zelda one, because I think it's linked to the past, right, that you, you do, and playing that uh, for the first time was so strange. It felt like this warped reality. Mm-hmm. That I went into where like Mario is actually Link, <laughs> like uh, it was it was very strange and like very I, I can't see Nintendo ever doing this anywhere else other than in like a Wario franchise, almost making fun of themselves. Uh, and also in the Wario where franchise, uh, they make fun of themselves a lot in terms of early games, uh, like really early games that they put out even before the NES when they were first starting as a company. So they did a lot of. Um, a lot of stuff like that, and a lot of history that, you know, it kind of reminds me almost of Smash Bros of trying to get as much history of the company as you can. That's kind of what the original Wario, WarioWare felt like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't have really any history with WarioWare. I actually don't own any of their games, uh, unfortunately. I think the DS ones are probably where I would go. I feel like this is a much better handheld franchise as opposed to console. Personally, I am really loving the look of this uh, WarioWare. It's Smooth Moves, which was on DS, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and it's a Star Fox level, where where at the very <laughs> end you fight Rob with uh, the Zapper, the NES Zapper. Nice. <laughs> yeah, stuff like mm. that. That's just so quirky and so weird. I, I like WarioWare is easily one of the most unique video game concepts I've ever seen. It's so cool, unique, refreshing. Like, and it's the fact that they've been able to keep putting ones out is, I think, even more impressive. Uh, to take this concept and, and keep iterating on it. One thing I would really love to see is an online version of playing WarioWare. I'd love to compete against people in, in some of these micro games. I think that would be really cool. So yeah. that's something I would hope for with the Switch. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. All right, so let's uh, read the back of the case for WarioWare, and uh, then we'll move on to the second segment of the show. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Sounds good. All right, cool. Hey, buy my game. <laughs> Turns out you people are so crazy for the Wario that you want more and more and more. So I give you WarioWare Inc. Mega Party Games with a dollar sign. Tons of my micro games crammed into the most insane multiplayer party game ever. So grab your friends and have a blast, Wario style. Nice. Like it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, just uh, another cool. fact uh, it, Nintendo Life had a GameCube poll that they put out a couple, uh, like, at the, last year or the year before, uh, basically ranking the top 50 GameCube games. Uh, WarioWare came in at number 45, so not bad. Yeah, not that bad. sounds about right. That's reasonable. All right, so let's move on to the second half of our episode. Now we're going to be talking about collecting games, and of course, Retro Wolf, this is why we brought you on the show today. You are a master GameCube collector. Uh, you have all 555 North American GameCube games. So let's start at the very beginning. Did you own a GameCube game back, or a GameCube back in uh, 2002, 2001? So I, if I remember correctly, I think I got my GameCube. Actually, I know that I got my GameCube the year that Luigi's Mansion came out, and that was 2000... 2001. That was the launch day. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so I got it for Christmas uh, alongside Luigi's Mansion. And, of course, I knew I was going to get a GameCube because, you know, <laughs> a lot you know a lot of us kids in Christmas, somehow we, we somehow figure out what we're going to get for Christmas <laughs> a lot of the times. You know? <laughs> So I knew I was going to get one, and I and I was so 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 excited. 
And when I finally unwrapped that, plugged that GameCube in, and started playing Luigi's Mansion, my mind was blown. Mm -hmm. Because going from the Nintendo 64 to the GameCube is such a massive leap. Yep. Huge. Huge leap. And, And just seeing the graphics of Luigi's Mansion and the lighting effects. So I proceeded to play Luigi's Mansion pretty much all day i think i beat it twice in one day because it's not a very long game no no and uh from there on that was really the start of my love for the gamecube and over the course of the next few years i uh i think i amassed back then around 60 games for the gamecube wow um so you know i had a, a pretty decent collection back in those days and then like an idiot like a lot of us do i ended up getting rid of all of my GameCube games no. when I was young. Me, me too. And <laughs> I regret it to this day because I I don't have any I don't have a single video game that I had when I was a kid. Not really? a single one. And that makes me very sad. I I, I have a couple that I, I my my parents um they they had especially my dad he had a knack for knowing what things were going to be valuable uh, so I have all my Game Boy Color boxes Ooh, still nice. and and everything I have my Game Boy GameCube box you know that came in Wii box everything so he was very good with with uh, not throwing out boxes but I yeah I also too got rid of a lot of my games and you give them away to family you mm-hmm. know you let your cousin borrow them. <laughs> And you, you never get them back, sure. which uh, I'm sure has happened to everyone. So, um, but yeah, that's how we, but I'm glad that you have rebuilt your collection at least. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing is starting to collect again for the GameCube is what led me into game collecting in general. Cause I started with the GameCube. My nephew, as a matter of fact, he, you know, I, one day I expressed interest to him that I wanted to start playing some of the GameCube games that I used to have when I was younger and he was like, well, hey, I've got a GameCube I'll give to you. So he gave me a GameCube, and then I went to my local game store, and I bought every single game that they had <laughs> that was a game that I had whenever I was younger. And that was the start of all of my collecting was was that moment. That started it all. And then, you know, when I started collecting and getting heavily into it, I knew if there was one console that I wanted to get a complete collection for, I knew it was the GameCube, not only because of my love for the GameCube, but also there were a ton and still are a ton of GameCube games that I've yet to play that I, that I want to play. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take for you to get all 555 games? Because you, you sold everything. You started at zero. It must've been Mm -hmm. fairly recently. If you had no games from when you were a kid, I've, I have all the games that I had as a kid. I think I might, might've sold one GameCube game in all in all my life. So I try to keep as many games as possible unless I don't think I'm ever going to play them again. So yeah. h- how long did it take for you to, to finish the collection? Well, you know, it, it didn't take me as long as you would think. And that's because I kind of went a little crazy with it. I was obsessed. <laughs> and so I started in August of 2016 and I completed the collection early last year so early 2020 i completed the collection so, so it took like three almost and a half years. four years yeah, yeah three and a half years and you know i yeah i i was going at it hard flea markets yard sales pawn shops thrift stores buying from other collectors buying game lots you know other collectors on instagram buying on ebay i, I mean i any any way in it, every way that i could try to get my hands on the games as cheap as possible i was doing that and just going fast and that was probably that last like just before really the game started to spike because we saw yeah. you must have noticed last year gamecube games like the, like a stock they just shot up last year twofold oh, yeah. some games yeah. 
And, and we know it was because of the podcast. So. <laughs> exactly. So you really got in and out quickly and probably at the perfect time when GameCube games were starting to get expensive but weren't too crazy yet. Where, where did you have the most success finding these games? Like in your area, do you have a good community of retro video game collecting or did you have to go online for like eBay lots a lot? So there, you know, there there were a few of the more expensive games that I had to buy on eBay just simply because I could not find them anywhere because of how rare they were. Um, but where I found the most success, and where I still find the most success with collecting in general, is by finding game lots to buy, and or entire game collections that somebody is selling. Mm. And the key to it is you have to make sure that whatever game lot or game collection you're buying, you have to make sure that you're getting everything for well below market value. Because if you can do that, you can keep a lot of stuff from the game lot or the game collection that you buy. Anything you don't want to keep, you can sell and make your money back or even make a profit. And then you can then take that profit and put it back into the collection. So that's where I found the most success. I would find a game lot with you know, uh, 50, 100, sometimes even more games. And there might be 10, 15, 20 GameCube games in that lot that I needed for my collection. So I would keep those games and, and sell most of the rest to make my money back. And I just repeat that cycle. And as far as finding game lots or game collections being sold at a really good price that's well below market value, you you just kind of got to get lucky a lot of the times. You got to be, yeah. you got to meet, you got to meet contacts and, be at the right place at the right time. For example, that retro game store that I mentioned, the local retro game store, the owner of that game store, I, I shopped there, you know, for many years as I was collecting from 2016 to now and bought a lot of stuff from him. So I kind of forged a relationship with him and right. he sold his game store um, to someone else. And one day he contacted me and he was like, Hey man, I'm thinking about selling my entire collection and I wanted to see if you were interested. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. And I ended up buying his entire game collection for well below what it was worth. And he knew what it was worth because mm -hmm. he owned a retro game store. So it's not right. like he didn't, it's not like he didn't know. Yeah. So really, I think that's the key to building a collection like this. If you can is to find game lots. And it's that first, if you do it smart, you can build an entire game collection without spending much money. It's that first game lot you got to get the money for. Then after that, yeah. as long as you pay yourself back by selling the games you don't need and then taking profit and putting it back into the collection or taking that profit and buying more game lots, it just builds upon itself and you're able to build a collection really quickly without spending much of your own money at all. Now, uh, do you have a one particular you know collection or game that you found that was you know the the cheapest hottest deal that you you got super lucky uh lucky for oh yeah oh yeah y'all y'all are gonna like this too so <laughs> go go hyper grind on the oh, gamecube oh yeah that same retail game store he made a mistake because i walk in there one day and every time i go in there i always check the gamecube games to see if there's there's anything new that i don't have right and i saw on the shelf go go hyper grind and he had, and it had a five dollar price tag on it. Oh what? my god! <laughs> now it didn't, it didn't have a manual, but it did have the original case, the original artwork, and the disc, and the disc was in good condition. He put the so decimal in the up, wrong spot. That should have been, that should have yeah, been five hundred dollars yeah. that game. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up getting uh, Go Go Hyper Grind for five bucks, and wow. uh, yeah, that was that was something. That's probably that's probably the best find I've had in terms of a wow. single game 
that's rare and expensive. So I got really lucky on that. What was the hardest game to find? Did, did you ever have a game that like, you looked for for, I guess, at the, Your white in whale. this case, months? Did you have something that took months to find that you just couldn't find the right price or you couldn't find it at all? Probably Cubivore um, or yeah. maybe Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. Right. Um, and I got lucky on both of those in, in a way in that a another collector on Instagram had uh, duplicate copies of those games. So he had two copies of each of those games and he, nice. he ended up selling me his uh, excess copies for a really, really, really reasonable price. So I was pretty happy about that. I, I love that tip that you gave of buying a lot and then selling the excess. I never really, mm-hmm. I mean, I playing with house money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a great idea. I was, it just reminds me of that. Uh, Mike on this, on this show, have we ever talked about the N64 buy that I got? I was going to bring that up. I was I was going to talk about our best buys that we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, mine mine being at a church garage sale, someone was selling um, Pokemon Coliseum for fifty cents. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> that was like two years ago. Like it wasn't that long ago. Uh, and I got I I, I let Dan take that because I'm a good friend. But Neil and I went to New York City in 2016, and uh, Neil had an incredible pickup from there. Uh, Neil, you can tell the story, obviously. Yeah, so I'm I'm also a huge. I was gonna ask you about this in a second, but I'm a huge N64 fan as well. Uh, most Nintendo consoles I like, but the N64 has a special place for me because that was my first real my first console. Mm-hmm. So Mike and I were when uh, we took a road trip down to New York City, and we were just walking along on the street, and we were on like some I don't know where we were in New York. And this random guy had a, a yard sale going on, like on a table. With <laughs> yeah, just a bunch just of... like lamps and, you know, mm-hmm. just yeah. clothes, stuff that you, you don't even, I think I just it walked was crap. past. Yeah. It was crap. It was for the most yeah. part crap. But this guy, I was, we were just walking by and caught my eye was an inbox N64. And I, I was like, do you mind if I open this? Because, you know, this guy's, you know, just a dude on the street in a strange <laughs> city. So I said, do you mind if I open it and check out what's inside? He said, yeah, I don't know what's in there. So I opened it. It had all the cables, one controller. And then it had Banjo-Kazooie and Mario 64 in it. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I already had those two games. So I just like, you know, boxed it up, tried to stay calm. <laughs> I said to the guy like, hey, you know, what do you want for this sort of thing? And we're just tourists, right? We had no car with us. We're just walking around. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, 60 bucks. I, I was like, absolutely. So I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. just didn't even think about it. So I bought, uh, it's my backup now. I bought this N64 with Banjo-Kazooie Mario 64 carried it around new york city for the rest of the day like we went to a mets game we went on the subway we were making oh, friends wow. we were making friends on the subway because <laughs> yeah, it couldn't fit in his bag right yeah. so yeah uh when we went to the mets game we obviously had to go into like the security you know through the security stuff and the guy looks at his bag and he's like oh god what the he's like what's this <laughs> and he looks he looks to his manager and he's like what's our policy on retro video game consoles <laughs> <laughs> yeah they let they let me in. Luckily, they, they were yeah. they were pretty cool about it actually. But it's a cool story. But then I we, we came home obviously, and I already own Mario sixty four and Banjo Kazooie, so I just went on Kijiji and sold them both for sixty bucks. So I made my money back. <laughs> so I basically got a free mm-hmm. inbox N sixty four. So yeah, so these deals do exist. Very nice. But uh, Wolf, I wanted to ask you: Are there any other consoles that you like to collect for, or that you're going for another complete collection for? I know from your channel you're a big NES fan. Are you going for a mm-hmm. complete set there? Or do you already have that? Uh, no, I'm definitely not going for a complete set on the NES because that is incredibly hard to do. (laughs) Um, I do have a large NES collection and I love the console, but I'll probably never really try to go for it unless I get rich, (laughs) you know what I mean? Unless I get rich, I might do it, but otherwise no. Um, but, uh, I am going for a complete set of cartridges for the Nintendo 64. I'm not necessarily 
interested in having a complete box set because that's insanely expensive and really hard to do but i definitely want every cartridge um, and i'm also going for a complete set for the wii u and also the sega master system oh nice I've I've seen complete. I don't know if you know. Being a collector, you probably do. But have you ever seen the channel Thin Gamer? No, I can't say that. Oh, okay. I'll send you the link sometime. But I got into this guy when I was into. I was really into collecting back in like 2012 to probably 2017, 18. I was really into collecting. But uh, I found this channel called Thin Gamer, and he has a complete inbox N64 collection. Wow. Including the manuals, every game has their baggie. That's nuts. Like it's intense. Every game is fully complete in box. He also has a complete Wii U collection, so definitely recommend checking his stuff out. I have no idea if he still does videos. I haven't watched any of his stuff in years, but yeah, hats off to you there. I I, I love the Wii U personally. I was one of the only supporters of our friend group uh, back in the 2015 era. It's it's a great little console. It has some fun games. Probably at least 20 games there that I would highly recommend. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love the console as well, and I think it, when you really dig into the library, you can probably find even more than 20 games that are that are really, really good. It has, it has its fair share of hidden gems um, on the console. Yeah, and, and I, and I want to say this since we're talking about it, and this is something that I've said before, but this is one of the things that I love about Nintendo and one of the things that I respect about Nintendo is they're really the only console manufacturer and video game company right now that's... That takes chances on unique ideas and tries to come up with new ideas and new ways to play video games that are outside of the norm and sure they're not always successful they don't always work very well but you got to respect them for taking the chance to do that because you know they don't necessarily know how the market is going to respond to their ideas and they you know they do it anyways they take a chance and Every now and then, they'll strike gold, like with the Wii or with the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the things I love about Nintendo, because I don't necessarily want a new video game console to be just the exact same as it was before, but just more yeah. powerful. That's not necessarily what I want. I like to have unique experiences, and that's one of the fun things about Nintendo, is when you get the new Nintendo console, it's always going to have something unique about it that didn't exist before, and I just I love that. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. And that's uh, Neil and I as well. We have mm-hmm. our faults with N- Nintendo. We think <laughs> they make some terrible, stupid ideas sometimes. We're definitely not Nintendo, a Nintendo fan club yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah. But yeah, it's just I think at the end of the day th- that Nintendo views itself as an innovation company rather mm-hmm. than a video game company. And that's something I've brought up many times already on this podcast. And I'm sure I will keep bringing it up. And watching the Nintendo Direct a few days ago or last week now, I guess, uh, there was a lot of stuff in that direct, first of all, just a lot volume wise. And then there was a lot of things in there that I personally had really no interest in. But at the same time, there's obvi- I'm obviously in the minority of people who think that way. There's there's going to be there were a few games in there, maybe four or five games that looked really fun and games that weren't repeats. Like I'm really excited for Mario Golf. I'm, I'm excited mm-hmm. for Splatoon 3. But then mm-hmm. there were just random things in there that came out that are just different and interesting. Like there's this Knockout City game that's sort of like a dodgeball yeah. Splatoon looking game. I don't know. It, it looked interesting. Just it something did. like that. Just You get these small diamonds in the rough every so often that I love in indie experiences or sometimes Nintendo published. Like I was a huge supporter of Fast, uh, Fast RMX on Wii U, which is basically oh, yeah. F-Zero. Great indie game. Uh, Mike and I, we really love Golf Story, which is a really Mm -hmm. good indie Switch game. It's on PlayStation 4 and everything else now. But, you know, they are doing a very 
a very varied, I guess, uh, assortment of games nowadays that it's just going to appeal to so many audiences. And we're not just getting like what Xbox does, not not to throw them out under the bus, but we're not getting Halo 6 or something and Gears 10 or whatever it is now. So they don't go back to that same well over and over again. They, they do go back every so often to certain things, but it's good to see them reinvent themselves software-wise and hardware-wise with, with the Switch and with the games that they put out. Yeah, and I also love how much they're supporting the indie game community with the mm-hmm. Switch. I mean, that's the, you're not seeing uh, Sony or Microsoft support indie games to the degree that Nintendo is, and I think it's great because indie games are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think um, it, it's really funny to obviously do this podcast and look at all these games that we've been through. You know, now we've been through over 200 games so far that we've talked about. And it, it's funny to think, you know, back at this time, there really weren't indie developers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that there are now because of obviously the physical limitations of putting a game out and the publishing limita- limitations. And I think that's why we see a lot of these, you know, terrible tie-in games that would come out because they just needed content. Right. Uh, so nowadays you do have a lot of these indie games coming out with, yeah, like things like Golf Story, something that uh, in in 2002 world would be tied in with a movie. Yeah, it would be tied in with a movie. Mm-hmm. It would be released uh, in like a half version, basically. And obviously you can't update it. So um, it's really nice to have these indie games and indie game development studios to kind of fill this niche that has always really existed. Yep. No, 100% agree. Hopefully the indie games can go on for a long time. And they have, it was weird because at first it was Xbox was well known for the indie space with their mm-hmm. Xbox arcade when like Limbo came out and the, the Scott Pilgrim indie game as Super well. Super Meat Boy. Exactly, Super Meat Boy. And then I feel like PlayStation took the reins uh, last generation with the, especially the Vita. The Vita was mm-hmm. like a breeding ground for indie games. Still is in a way. Because nothing else could go on. No, exactly. <laughs> but, but if you owned a Vita, you definitely were playing indie games nonstop. And, and the PlayStation 3 and 4 had them as well. but And now I just think Nintendo has taken that torch with the Switch. So I hope Nintendo keeps it because it's good for our community. Being We're more Nintendo community fans than PC or PlayStation or Xbox. So, mm-hmm. Wolf, I just have one more question for you before we let you go for the day. What is your favorite GameCube game? You don't ask easy questions, do you? <laughs> um so so let's 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 change the question a little bit. What what's what's a game that you could play forever? Okay, Resident Evil Four. Mm. There we go. Easy. Good answer. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's one of my favorite GameCube games. One of my favorite games of all time. Period. So yeah, yeah. Now I want to talk to you about Resident Evil Four. We're gonna have we're, whole, <laughs> new, all right, whole new episode. We're gonna have an episode dedicated to Resident Evil Four probably October of this year. So we'll for sure invite you back on to uh, to talk about oh, some Resident that. Evil Four because love that. 100% agree. Classic game. <laughs> they need to remake it as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Richard Wolf, for coming on today. It has been a lot of fun talking to you about collecting, about Wario, about just Nintendo in general. And uh, yeah, if uh, you want to take this time now to kind of uh, let the the listeners know where to find you, where to find your content and, and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I would love for people to check out my YouTube channel, which is just RetroWolf88, all one word, uh, on YouTube. You can just type it in in the search bar and it should pop right up. Um, I do a lot of GameCube content, but I do other content as well. I do Switch videos. I have my Mama Retro series, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, I do game room tours and uh, I have a podcast. Uh, well, what I call a podcast, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I've got. <laughs> Neither yeah, do I'm, we. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy doing YouTube. It's a lot of fun, and 
I've got some really good GameCube content planned. Uh, I think the last week of March, there's going to be a whole week full of GameCube videos. There should be four videos in one week, and they're all going to be centered around co-op games for the GameCube. So there's going to be four different videos about co-op games. So I'm really excited about that. Social media, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter's just RetroWolf88, Instagram Retro underscore Wolf underscore 88. I have a Discord channel as well, where that's really the best place to interact with me is on my Discord channel. And there's a link to that in, in any description, any any description of any of my videos, you can find a link to the Discord channel. So um, if you're interested in interacting with me or some other people in the community, I recommend checking that out as well. Sweet. Well, we're both really looking forward to seeing what you have uh, in the pipe for GameCube and on your YouTube channel. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching your content this week, just getting ready for the show. So keep up the great work. Your your review video, especially on Warrior World, was really top-notch, like high-quality stuff. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, no, no. Like, like There's tons of review videos out there, so it's hard to sometimes find good quality Some stuff. Some of them are really bad. Yeah, but like <laughs> watching oh, yeah, yours, yeah. I was like, man, how many guys does, this, does, does he have working for him doing this stuff? But I'm guessing it's, it's mostly just you doing a lot of the production, so... Hats off to you, man. You're, you're doing a great job over there. Yeah, it's and I can't take all the credit because I do have a partner in the YouTube channel that edits okay. a lot of the videos too. My my nephew, so me and him are kind of like uh, we're kind of like business partners with the channel. So he's my silent partner, I guess you could say. <laughs> cool, great. Well, thanks so much for coming on, dude. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you next time for Resident Evil Four. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. All right, take care. Later. Bye. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, RetroWolf88, for coming on today. Uh, wow, just, I'm so jealous of his collection and his game room. Yeah, please yeah. check out his YouTube channel and check out that game room. Can you imagine walking into a room like that? Oh, that's like, oh, that's so, that's so cool. I've seen so many of those game room tours on YouTube and just, I have a shelf, you know, like a room. <laughs> I, I also have a shelf. <laughs> I, I too have a shelf. But just to go into a room that's just wall to wall with games, TVs, cartridges discs it's just wild man like just wild just wild uh, hats off to you retro wolf 88 thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today that was a lot of fun talking about some wario games and collecting of course but mike before we close out we have to talk about the the future of the wario mm -hmm. franchise the wario name the wario estate what <laughs> <laughs> yeah if he's gonna leave it to waluigi right who, who do you think's in his will <laughs> He has no. Uh, he has no ba kids. Baby Wario. There's no baby Wario. You've you've seen. We've seen baby Peach, baby Mario, baby Luigi. Are we sure? Are we are we positive on that? No, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure I've never seen a baby Wario or at least one of his kin. So uh, you're, 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 okay. So baby Wario hmm. does exist. He is in Yoshi's Island DS. Shut the front door. Yep. Yep. I'm looking this up. Uh, he made his first appearance in Yoshi's Island DS. He appears to be a very greedy, similarly. Oh, that is terrifying. S similarly to his adult counterpart. Mm. He carries a coin magnet. Oh, I like Makes that. Sense. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, that that's who's uh, in, inheriting the. He's got to have one heck of a will because he's got nothing but treasure <laughs> and coins and money. Oh, I'd like to. I'd like to be friends with Wario. Actually, now now I think I'm gonna have to pick Wario because looking at him, he doesn't have a good lifespan. <laughs> no, he really doesn't. He's definitely going early. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 got he's got a lot of different health problems. Diabetes being number one on that list. <laughs> For sure, yep. but yeah, uh, to answer your question, Neil, um, I, I I see I see Wario sticking around, obviously as a character. Uh, in terms of the games, it's hard to say because I would like them to to do more Wario World, Wario Land stuff. Uh, it's it's hard to see that though. I don't know if they're gonna make one for a while, but I can see them making a WarioWare game at some point. Yeah. 
especially for the Switch. I think it makes sense. Uh, like you said, I wish the One Two Switch was that. Yep. But I, I I feel like it's it's an easy win for them. It wouldn't be too hard to make. Uh, and honestly, I could also see this being as as a mobile game. You know, Nintendo has been mm-hmm. pushing recently into mobile games. You got Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. You have the Mario uh, Kart World Tour. I can easily see this being a mobile game that they they make uh, at some point. Uh, probably maybe with a tie in uh, to a to the actual Switch game or something. But mm-hmm. yeah. That's where I see it going. I think you're 100%. You took the words out of my mouth there. I think <laughs> WarioWare being an iPhone game makes sense. They, they, they should put it on Switch because the Switch is made for mini games. The first time we saw the Switch back in 2016 was that first reveal? Late 2016, mm-hmm. we saw the Switch and they were showing off the Joy-Cons, all the different things you could do with it, the whole Ice Cube meme and whatever else. Uh, just it, it's, made, it's almost made for Wario, almost like how... It's made for Wario. The Switch just feels like it's made for WarioWare and, and party games. And, and it feels like you're playing as Spider-Man. It makes you, <laughs> the Switch <laughs> makes you feel like Spider-Man. But yeah, you're uh, you're definitely right. The Switch needs a WarioWare game. It would do so well. It would probably sell 10 yeah. million copies. Best-selling WarioWare of all time. Prediction locked in. I would love to see a Wario Land game. Wario Land 5, I think that they're on the fourth one they made for Game Boy Advance. Shake It doesn't technically count as Wario Land. So a Wario Land 5 would be so cool. Just... Stop making Kirby games. Give Yoshi a, a chance to breathe and put out a Wario game, just a game where you can play as yeah. this this fat, gross dude who's powerful and confident at being uncool. And let me smash some bricks, bomb some some enemies, and and be and move on with my life. It would just be so cool of a game. I think that they'd have trouble selling that as a ninety dollar game. It wouldn't be a ninety dollar game. I think I don't know about that, but yeah, that's yeah. True. Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be. So I, I yeah. just think I think charging ninety dollars for this franchise that really doesn't sell well traditionally would be a tough tough game to sell. Like I. Even the uh, Yoshi's uh, Crafted World sold at ninety. I, I think that's what I paid for it. The Kirby games all sell around that as well. So that's a good point. Yeah, they definitely should make it a budget title. You're one hundred percent correct. But since <laughs> it's a Nintendo IP, I don't know if they will. Also, the mm. developer who made these Wario games, it never was a Nintendo. It was a third party. It was always yeah. third party. Like uh, Wario Land was made by uh, Treasure, and then Shake It was made by uh, Goodfeel. So mm-hmm. they would have to find find a, another developer to make it, which shouldn't be that hard. Like uh, Wario, it, like <laughs> any indie developer, not any, but like most indie developers could probably do it. I think that they would yeah. be more than happy to. But again, money, time, and everything else, I don't know. I think, like yeah. like you said, a WarioWare collection or a mini game would be the best bet we see for Wario going forward. But I'm really looking forward to seeing him in Mario Golf this year. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too, Neil. Yeah. But, Mike, until we do see Wario Golfing, what game of the two games we talked about today would you recommend uh, the players out there pick up? Uh, it's tough, Neil. I, I, I was thinking about this a lot last night, actually. Oh, okay. Because I knew it. You would ask you me. Were <laughs> you were tossing and turning. You were tossing and turning in your sheets. Uh, <laughs> because for, for Warrior World, he keeps t- saying to buy this game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, that's in WarioWare, he keeps saying. Sorry, in WarioWare. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, in WarioWare, he keeps saying to buy this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, how can I go against them? Oh. Uh, but uh, honestly, if you had the chance, I would buy both. If I saw both at a store, I would buy both. Oh, okay. Um, because they're both going to go up in value. That's a guarantee. Uh, they're they're both really fun games. 
Uh, I think probably me personally would buy WarioWare uh, because it is really fun to play with uh, with other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously, I love the concept. And I think it's so unique. But Warrior World is definitely a good 1B choice if you're thinking 1A, 1B. Mm, well, I'm going to make Warrior World my 1A choice, Mike. So take that. So the reason why I wouldn't <laughs> recommend WarioWare uh, over mm, Warrior okay. World is we didn't really talk about the cons of the game, really, is that graphically it doesn't really hold up. So yeah, that's fair. They basically just ported the Game Boy Advance version of the game to GameCube, yep. and a Game Boy Advance, if you haven't played one in a while, the the everything is stretched out. The pixels don't look as defined as they should. So it is a little bit of a port, more of a port as opposed to a remaster, and it, it's not really specialized for the GameCube. Good point. Okay, you know that that's actually a really good point. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna change my oh. answer then. Yeah. Oh. I I recommend that you pick up. Both these games still, yeah. but Warrior World is the better game to pick up for the GameCube. Mm -hmm. uh, where Wario, uh, or sorry, did I say WarioWare? No, nope, you said Warrior World. World. You're right. Okay, they're too similar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then WarioWare is the is the better game to pick up for Game Boy Advance. Mm -hmm. uh, that's exactly. where you'll have the best experience. Obviously, it's Correct. really fun to play with people mm -hmm. on the GameCube, but you are right, Neil. It's uh, yeah. the graphics are not great. Yeah, I would say WarioWare would be a handheld franchise. I would stick to in terms of the consoles. Maybe just stick to Warrior World, which is just a fun 3d beat-em-up experience it looks great today yeah you can't go wrong on either one because they both will definitely go up in value yep always go up in value unless of course uh the stock market crashes and money is worthless nice uh soon it's bound to happen <laughs> <laughs> so mike money let listeners know what they can expect on episode 39 of the gamecube is cool podcast getting close to 40 Oh, getting close to 40, Neil. On episode 39, we have open world and M-rated games. And this is kind of the, Mike really wants to play this episode. Okay. So there's a bunch of these games that uh, you've probably seen in stores before, but I've never played. Well, at least I have never played. Mm. Uh, some of these games include true, the True Crime series, uh, Smuggler's Run, which is the only Rockstar game on the console, mm. uh, and the open world game uh, Western Gun. Uh, so I'm really excited to try some of these out and, uh, I'll come back with my recommendations and we can just talk about having M rated games on the GameCube. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot already in the podcast, but this was Nintendo's, you know, last, last shining moment to, to, to get that mature audience. They tried for a few weeks there. They definitely tried. <laughs> they tried for a few weeks. And then by the end of the console life cycle, there were no more rockstar games, true crime games coming out. No, no, nope. Excited to talk about that. Are those the only three games we're covering next week? No, we'll be covering six games. Oh. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil all the oh, games for the listeners. Oh no, the way you said. I, I thought the way you made it sound. It was there's only three games covering. That's good. Oh no. Okay. No, we got. We got more. Cool. But until then, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to episode 38 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. Follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod. Check out our, our website, thegamecubeiscool.com. Share us with your friends, family, and Wario. He likes money. So do we. <laughs> Seriously, though, help us get to 10,000 downloads by the end of February. It's a bit of our stretch goal. We're getting very close. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. So long. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. Game.